Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review Show. My name's Chris and joining me this week, it's Dave. Hello Chris, how are we doing? I'm not too bad yourself, sir. Uh, yes, I am bang average. Bang average, well you're, be- you're better than me, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, so just just me and thee as we approach the end game in the Premier League this, this weekend. Uh, two weekends to go after today, I believe. Hey, that's right. Did you just say end game to try and get... Uh... An Avengers pun in early doors. Well, you know, you, you've got to try and stay relevant, haven't you? Well, why, why, why start now? <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. I'm, I'm not as good as Chris on, on, on the um, on the Extra Time show. He gets his little puns in. I've been listening thinking, I want to do that. And then I always forget. Well, but, yeah. got off to a great start here. Excellent. Well, I was until you called me out on it. And plus, I'd much rather talk about the Avengers movie than I would the Arsenal performance this afternoon. Um, but anyway, if you're into... If you're into um, on topic puns, stay tuned for later. There's probably more. Um, <laughs> right, so uh, as I say, we get we're getting into the nitty gritty. I think I've used that term every week, every weekend for the last four weeks now of the Premier League season. And again, another Friday night football with uh, Huddersfield hosting Liverpool uh, on Friday night. Um, Liverpool getting out to a perfect start, going one nil up in within the first minute. Uh, unfortunately, not as quick as um, Shane Long did in the in, in midweek, uh, but coming away five nil winners. There was never really an, another result on the cards here, was there? No, this was this was a waste of time for everybody. Really, <laughs> um, Huddersfield are very relegated, as you as you well know, um, and there was, there was only ever going to be one result, and it was just a formality, really, playing it out. Yeah, I say the fact that Liverpool had the audacity to even start Daniel Sturridge shows exactly how well Huddersfield are playing this season. Yeah, that uh, that was the. Proverbial take on the piss card, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, he went off injured as well, so which uh, many people are stating could be the end of his, his uh, Liverpool career. I uh, didn't even realise he was injured. I just thought he was taken off because he hadn't scored against well, Huddersfield. It, it might have been. In, a, I just kind in of, an hour. So. I just kind of presumed he was injured. Uh, yeah, to be well, fair. He did score. It was disallowed, but he did score, to be fair. Um, yeah, yeah, he had a disallowed goal. I, only, I didn't notice it during the game. Um, I saw it on the highlights yesterday, weirdly. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting stat is that Liverpool have now scored, uh, I believe, 104 goals this season. Uh, Huddersfield has scored 20 in comparison. There were se- <laughs> 74 points between the two teams. That, that's that's absolutely astonishing, isn't it? It's short as well. Like, <laughs> oh, bloody hell. I mean, I know even Huddersfield were missing their best couple of players anyway, for whatever reason, but uh, we won't miss them, really. I mean, we'll miss the six points we all got from them, but like they're just... 
they're not very good. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, so uh, Naby Keita continued his his run of scoring. He scored it within a minute. Uh, Mane had added two identical goals, uh, strangely, with his head, and almost had a hat trick, but hit the post. Uh, and Mohamed Salah. Uh, added two to his tally. I think he's on 20, 25 for the season now. And he's having a bad season, apparently. Were you surprised to see both of those guys play the full 90, given they've got Barcelona next week? Or A little bit, yeah. Consider- so this game was won. I think they were free- Liverpool were free up after 21 minutes. Or something as ridiculous as that. I, I I was really surprised, and I was really surprised. Like so, after Salah got his second, and him and Mane were both on a hat trick. There was there was one opportunity where they both went for the same ball, mm. and I generally thought Mane was going to tackle Salah. Well, it was just like in the last couple of minutes when Salah's like busting a gut to get down the wing, and he cut inside and blazed a shot over, and he said, "Well, you're five 0 up, and you played ninety one minutes, and you got Barcelona on Wednesday, like." Mm-hmm. Game management here, people. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Like, are Liverpool expecting the title race to go down to goal difference? Well, I guess there's an element of that, isn't there? But they are, what, four goals behind Man City now? Mm. Um, but there's so few games left, I can't see them bridging that gap, yeah, really. Right, yeah. um, but I guess you've got to cover all bases, haven't you? Yeah. Um, interesting. Another interesting fact is that Liverpool now, currently, have more points than the Arsenal Invincibles. In the season they won the league, mm, and well, weirdly, Liverpool fans have been spouting this a lot on Twitter in the last week. Yeah, as if it's some sure. sort of achievement. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not an achievement. Arsenal won the league. Yeah, we were unbeaten. We drew a lot of games, um, but you know, brag about it if, you, if they win the league at the end of the season. But to hold that up as some kind of trophy is it's, it's like Arsenal Wenger's his fourth place trophy. Yeah, I mean, considering this Liverpool team, A, isn't invincible, and B, isn't going to win the league. Like, it's not really much to show about, is it? <laughs> no, that's it. Um, another interesting fact as well, because this game, as I say, not much really happened in it as Liverpool just casually steamrolled over Huddersfield, is that Salah, uh, Mohamed Salah, Salah, um, has the most goals in 100 appearances. Now, I'm not sure if this was just for Liverpool. I think it is. Oh yeah, because yeah, it wasn't it wasn't clear when I was listening to the game. They they mentioned it a few times. Yeah, most goals in a hundred in a hundred games, which is pretty impressive to Barry. You know, there's been a lot of talk that he's not having a good season, but I think it's just because he had that that awful run where he was. It wasn't that he just wasn't scoring. He just wasn't playing very well for a period <laughs> as well. Yeah, well, there's that. I mean, did you see the Andy Robertson start after this game? No. So he tied with uh, Leighton Baines on. 11 assists I think it was or 10 maybe okay. and then it's one later on took him level with the current record holder for a defender with assists in the Premier League era okay C- can you name that defender a defender with assists it's not going to be Bellerin is it no ah. so somebody who's got what 12 assists in I think it was I can't remember if it was 11 or 12 but anyway that's have, have a think about it it's got to be a fullback it has to be it, a it is. it is a fullback yes Marcus Alonso? No, it's from like the nineties. Oh, from the nineties. The oh, golden era. Oh, okay. Oh, Gary Neville. No, he never got forward. <laughs> Go on then. Andy Hinchcliffe. Andy Hinch, Jesus Christ! I know, another I, left back. What is it about left back? I couldn't believe this when I heard. It. I assume he took corners or something because like <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not like. Didn't he spend a lot like, of time injured as well, Andy Hinchcliffe? Probably. Sheffield Wednesday, great Andy Hinchcliffe. Wow, okay. But so Andy Robinson had a great season. Um, I, oh, I, I remember seeing him at Hull and he, he looked pretty tasty there. 
Um, and then when he signed for Liverpool, I know there were a few detractors for him, but yeah, he 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 fits the way they play absolutely perfectly. And it's even more about when you consider he pretty much spent the season watching James Milner play left back. Yeah. And then they were like, let's give him a go, and now he's probably the best fullback in the league. Well, the thing is, Klopp seems to do that. I don't know if it's a, a thing he seems to do on purpose. A, f- a few of their even their big signs, like um, Fabinho didn't play for the start of the first few games of the season. Oh, know, that's true. He had, yeah. to, he, he had to sit and watch, you know, Jordan Henderson fall over a lot in the middle of the park. Um, Cater didn't didn't start games when he first joined and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, Wenger used to do a thing with his attacking players where he used to play him out of position and stuff like that. Um, Klopp just seems to hold them back and, you know, I don't know if it gives them more of an appetite or um, makes them... You know, value their position in the squad more or something. I suppose, but if you're for me, if I was Andy Robertson and I've just signed, you know, you know, okay, it wasn't a massive transfer, but then suddenly James Milner's playing out of position in front of me, <laughs> that wouldn't be a motivator for me and stuff. But then once he's in the team, he's only got to worry about, you know, he's not got to worry about Moreno getting taken his place, is he? Well, I guess this was the problem. It probably was a matter of uh, Milner came in, did well, then it was hard to take him out for. Mm. No real reason. I don't remember Milner being that horrific at left back a couple yeah. of years ago yeah, when had, when his when yeah, his legs still worked. Yeah, so. he, had, he had some good games and he he had quite a few assists at one point as well. Yeah. Oh well. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. But say so Liverpool, Liverpool I say will have to up their game for their next uh, game. Seeing as the, yeah they they played Barcelona uh, in midweek. Um, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love that Newcastle are going to be the meat in a Barcelona sandwich for Liverpool. <laughs> like, it just makes no sense. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? Uh, on to Saturday's games then. So, uh, surprise result of the day, I suppose, was the the early fixture uh, the, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium until they rename it the Nike Stadium next season, allegedly. Uh, West Ham coming away with a one nil win. Uh, Marco Antonio continue his goal scoring run. Uh, it was the first away goal scored at the stadium. Uh, it was obviously Spurs' first defeat at the stadium. Uh, it was also West Ham's first away win of the year. Interestingly well, enough, good day for them. Then. Yeah, yeah, uh, but a lot of people are claiming this was like a big surprise, um, and it kind of was because Spurs, out of the top, out of the clubs going for the top four positions at the moment, and just sit, like passing it around like a hot potato. Spurs were the one club that seemed to have a little bit of, of a run about them. Um, They've been skating by for a few weeks, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were lucky to play Huddersfield the other week. When they weren't in the best form, because mm-hmm. as we said earlier, that's pretty much a win, no matter who you are. Um, West Ham have always had a decent record against Spurs in recent seasons, mm-hmm. I seem to remember. Um, but I really didn't fancy them here. And I know we've just said Spurs are fatigued and whatever else, but West Ham are 11th and they're marooned in 11th. They're going to finish 11th, whether mm-hmm. they like it or not. So I really didn't expect them to have much uh, drive about them here. But they were they were very very good, in fairness to them. Um, yeah. I guess it helps playing on the counter-attack and on a big pitch like that when you've got the likes of Anderson and uh, I know which one to be asked and Antonio who I think over a couple of seasons ago he was excellent I'm sure he got some like 10 to 15 goals I can't remember the exact number but he was when he, he, was yeah, pretty, when he first joined them from Forest yeah he was brilliant wasn't he and mm-hmm. then he kind of dropped off for various reasons but to me to have if yeah. you play like that on the counter-attack because he's so quick and strong Um he's worth his weight in gold for taking the pressure off your defence but they can't seem to find a position for him which I guess has been the problem yeah. he's played right He's played right back he's played right wing he's played up front um, and I guess technically he's a nightmare because he, he's not he isn't really you know 
have any ability on the ball as such. He's just good at running and finishing. So yeah. it's I, uh, I quite strange. I think that's been the problem for him. So he has good runs, but he, he's they use him like a utility, a forward utility player. He, he fills in on the right. He, he'll play through the middle for a couple of games when someone's injured, and then he'll have a good run of form. And they think, okay, we've got to keep him in the side, but then we've got to play like on on Altovich or somebody. So they shove him out, out wide on the right, and I think I don't think he's as effective because he's he's kind of like oh, what's the best way? It's like if Lukaku had a touch, yeah, basically, because he's that big battering round type of player, isn't he? Um, yeah. Like he's just strange to describe, isn't he? Really, because mm. you wouldn't say he's like an out-and-out winger, and he's not going to beat his man and whip across him because he just hasn't got that that sort of whip on him. But yeah. like he's at running the players and committing bodies and things, he's uh, very useful for that. That's it. This is a West Ham team that includes Robert Snodgrass as well, so you know there's there's always hope for anybody who can run with a ball. I, I did laugh during the commentary when uh, I can't remember who was doing it, but they said, "Ah, oh, and Snodgrass might prefer to play in that number ten role." I'm like, of course he fucking will. Like, <laughs> it involves no tracking back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although talking to Snodgrass, he was uh, on the sharp end of uh, mean Son's studs, which for Son, he seems to be everyone likes Son. He's you know he's that nice guy and then you see him stamp on Robert Snodgrass although that's not going to do his image any problems at all is it I suppose <laughs> he'll be getting the keys to the city <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't yeah. think that was that I don't think it was as bad as it looked I think he tried to put a foot in and was just very late yeah um but yeah, it, it, although I've just really looked at my notes here, and I'm saying that Spurs were the one team out the challenges for third and fourth, who were on a bit of a run. This was their this was Spurs sixty feet in ten games. I'm guessing all the wins were the home games, but because they've had a run of they've had a run of home games, haven't they? Because of all the problems with Wembley and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean they've beaten what Brighton, Huddersfield, Palace at home, hmm. and obviously now lost to uh, lost to West Ham, but the. They're on the bones, they're arse. Like, uh, this performance on Saturday just looked like a team who were ready for... They were looking at one eye on the Champions League, I think. Yeah. Um, Pochettino like, came out and said they were stressed, didn't he? Stressed? Well, yeah, one, he, said that he, he said they looked like a team who was stressed. I'll tell you what, I'll be stressed if they get the Champions League final. No one wants that. <laughs> oh, oh, please, no, Dave. Please, <laughs> please no. Oh, God. Um but yeah, I'll note for West Ham, uh, Issa Diop had an amazing game. He, you know, he looks a big talent. He's really good on Football Manager uh, for anyone out there looking for a young centre back. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he had an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, but Arnautovic, it's like West Ham are playing with ten men. He got the assist for the goal, but aside from that, he did absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll be off in the summer. Yeah, he's gone, hasn't he? Like I've seen West Ham players, uh, West Ham uh, fans on Twitter saying, uh, "Oh yeah, I'm glad we got rid of Arnautovic in January." <laughs> because that's how it feels at the moment I was thinking about this during the game and where he might go next and he could do a lot worse than well he could obviously do a lot worse but Tottenham could do a lot worse than getting on out of it as a, a, an alternative to Harry Kane who yeah, but he's gonna want could the, also the could also is, play elsewhere so. he's got that ego hasn't he he's going to a club in the top six he's going to want top six wages I suppose there is that where presumably Tottenham don't have two pennies rubbed together now they've spent you know, a billion pounds, pound whatever it is, stadium. on a stadium and a pub and uh, everything else that is in that ground that doesn't need to be. Yeah, but that, that's the thing. on his day, he's capable of playing in, in like a top six side, but he's he's going to be like a Lorente, you know, he's going to be the backup and he's going to want 200 grand a week. Uh, but I think he could play other positions as well, so it could just be one of those where he, you know, some weeks he plays a little bit like Son's doing now, but. I think he's a better suited to playing up front than Son is. Yeah, I th- I, for me personally, I think West Ham's about his level. You know, West Ham are a team who could 
be on the you know West Ham are a team who could finish you know sixth seventh eighth in the league um, mm. you know with a, with a few, a few signings and, I, and, I, and we've seen how good he can be for them um, you know and I think he'd do well for like um, you know even even someone like like yourself he could come to Newcastle uh, you know and be that big impact player but no club like that's going to give him the money unless unless Everton are interested in in him but then again they've they've got enough not out and out strikers already at that club. Yeah, that's true. It's one of those, and he's got to go to a team who plays the system that suits him, which is basically involves him playing wherever he wants, and, uh, and everyone else making up for it. So, yeah. it's as you say, West Ham have done that traditionally for years now, really, with various players. But um, whatever reason he's decided that's not what he wants, well, I think that's not what he wants anymore. Yeah. The only thing I can see happening next season is maybe West Ham clearly need an out-and-out striker which they I think they knew in January as they were looking at strikers there if they go out and buy it you know a young goal scorer or something no one comes in for an out of it and he's like okay he accepts that he's, he's staying there and whatever and then he they play him in the number 10 role behind behind a striker uh, and see how that gets on but we'll have to wait and see uh in t- on to Saturday's other games then the um the relegation dogfight, I suppose, uh, saw Fulham continue their great run since being relegated. Uh, a third straight win, along with a third straight clean sheet, uh, as they beat uh, Cardiff 1-0. And is this the result that puts Cardiff down, pretty much? I think so. I don't understand why they waited 80 minutes or whatever it was to start trying. Yeah, the minute um, they went behind, basically. Just stupid, really. When you, it's, They knew they really had to win this game. Um Alright, they might beat Palace next week, but then they got Man United on the final day. Um, they, they, this was a game they needed three points from, and they could have won it uh, in the last ten minutes. They had enough chances yeah. to win it, but uh, to wait to go one nil down and then start playing must be annoying, really, for Cardiff fans, I would think. But what a goal, though, from Babel. Yeah, it's crack cracking finish, absolutely cracking. But but yeah, you know, fair enough, Fulham of. Have up their game, but yeah, Cardiff offered absolutely nothing. They've got that. Um, is it Grant up front, who 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 looked pretty lively at times, but I don't think they had a shot on target until after they went behind, and they went behind in like the seventy ninth minute. Yeah, it was um, a very odd way of playing. I don't I don't know what it is, but Sergio Rico for Fulham must have made more saves since they got relegated than they than they did the entire time beforehand because he's, he's, he's had better his best games have been since they got relegated I know it's like last bizarre. week I praised him he was pretty good and he was really good this weekend yeah I mean Cardo must be cursing him because he's been throwing them sort of chances in all season but apparently not now so yeah. Uh, interesting stat of the week uh, Cardiff have more clean sheets in the Premier League this this season than both Arsenal and Man United that's wow. absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? That is ridiculous. Um, to be fair, Fulham have got three clean sheets in a row. That probably puts them almost on par with Arsenal uh, at the moment. But yeah, I saw that in midweek and I was like, what? That can't be right. But yeah, it is. I think, they, I think they've got like seven clean sheets or something this season. Like Arsenal may not have got like four or five each. Oh, well, that's... Aye, that's a worry, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think Cardiff are down there. I think Cardiff have to win both of their games and hope Brighton slip up. Uh, in one, yeah. I, I mean, Bright- Brighton shouldn't win another game. Although they have got, uh, they have got yourselves next week, so you know mm-hmm. anything's possible. Exactly, and I think it's, um, I think it's at Cardiff as well. So, well, it's Arsenal, Brighton's at Arsenal, um, and then Cardiff Palace is at okay. Cardiff, and then on the last day, Brighton at home to Man City, and Cardiff are at Old Trafford. Okay. For so, some reason, I thought we had Car- when you said that. I thought you meant we had we had Cardiff. Uh, this, next week 
But no, uh, yeah, yeah, we've got Brighton, you're right, you're right, yeah. Um, so, they're not totally dead yet, but I, I can't see them getting... They've essentially got to win both games now, because their goal event is so much, so much worse than Brighton's. Yeah. That's okay. a big ask. Yeah, Brighton will probably beat us next weekend. Um, to be fair, okay, we'll stick with uh, as we've been talking about Brighton. We'll stick with the other two South Coast clubs, uh, Southampton and Bournemouth, playing out the most entertaining game of the day. It seems in a three-all draw, uh, basically confirms Southampton's safety in the Premier League, and they celebrated like they'd won it at the <laughs> end. Um, but yeah, this crazy game. Um, Shane Long continued his scoring run at the moment. He scored what three, f- four in four home games now, which is more than he uh, scored in his last sixty odd games. Uh, or Dan Gosling, not to be outdone, uh, did the same, scoring two goals in his last three games now, uh, more than he'd scored in his last sixty odd games as well. Well, yeah. do you see, do you see Long's uh, open goal miss though. Oh yeah, where he hit the post from like a yard out. Yeah, <laughs> he's had a good week until that point. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, Matt. I think it's Matt Target. Is it the left back? It is. Yeah. Uh, scored the one thousandth Premier League goal of the season. Um, obviously, Huddersfield continue, uh, contributed what ten of those. Um, but yeah, considering this was a three-all draw, I didn't have many notes from it. No, it was just a good game of football, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, by all accounts, Bournemouth got battered for twenty minutes, and then they changed from a back three to four-four-two. I guess whatever the hell they play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seemed to swing the game back in their favour. It also helps that they brought on Ryan Fraser at that point, like which. Strange he didn't start. I think they said he'd been carrying an injury and they didn't want to risk aggravating it, but apparently being one 0 down at Southampton is enough reason to risk aggravating it. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Callum Wilson uh, scored amongst the scorers. James Ward-Prowse uh, scored again, uh, and did Wilson got two? Didn't they? He did, yeah. He did, yeah. yeah. He got two. Uh, it's also his sixth game this season. They were talking about match of the day, where he has scored and assisted in the same game. Yeah, that's uh, quite, one, quite one off. Yeah, one off the record, I believe. Yeah, because they made a big deal of Shearer having done it seven times. Yeah, I don't remember Shearer passing the ball. No, it will be rebound off the keeper. I was going to say the rebound to the assist. <laughs> I'll say, if not David De Gea, had a lot of assists this season. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Bournemouth. I say we spoke about Bournemouth a few times the last few weeks. Like this, they're they're good at times. Like some of the goal, like the Dan Gosling's goal was a fantastic goal. But then they are calamitous at the back. You know, I mean, uh, highlighted by the fact that fucking Arta Burrick still gets a game for them. Yeah, I mean, I think I, said, I think already was out of contract in the summer and. Well, Begovic has been a walking disaster, so they replaced him with Boric, who hasn't been that much better from what I can see. But yeah. They're in the for Jack that... Butland, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, apparently. I mean, they desperately need a goalkeeper who's, you know, got hands. That would help. <laughs> yeah. um, but they also need better defenders in general, like Aki I quite like, but he's he's uh, a bit on the small side for centre-half. Yeah. Um, and Steve Cook is Steve Cook, so they should really buy... Someone to go alongside Ake. Um, yeah. The thing the full... problem with Ake though is he, he tends to be out of position a lot. He tends to drift out wide now and again. I don't know if that's because he's played a lot. Of, he's played a lot of time. Uh, he's played left back a bit and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so it could be that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the fullbacks they've got seem to be more interesting going forwards. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, as well, Bre- uh, the Bournemouth have had a lot of injuries um, and yeah. not not as little injuries as well. Like I think Smith and Daniels between them must have had two, three or four month injuries apiece mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of be good for cohesion to have to keep changing your, your back line because of big injuries and things like that yeah that's it, so, do you think they'll keep Nathaniel Klein? Um, 
Oh, he's only on loan, isn't he? He's only on loan, yeah, because they've got Tyrone Mears. Is it Mears or Mings? Which The big geezer who's at Villa. Mings, yeah. Mings, it is Mings, isn't it? He's on loan at Villa. He's on loan at Villa, so I don't know if they've sent him out to get some game time after two serious injuries, and then they'll bring him back when Klein goes back to Liverpool, perhaps. I think Mings is a left-back, isn't he? No, he's right-back. Well, I think he can play both. To be fair, oh, right, fair when, when he was at Bournemouth, he he he, he played right back for a bit because they've got yeah. um, Daniels. Is it who plays left back? Yes, and they bought that kid from Argentina who they yeah, never yeah. play. Yeah, Rico, I think his name. Is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing with, I was the other week with Bournemouth, they spent a fortune really when you break down how much they spent for certain people like yeah. Lerma, Ake, that Rico character. Um, they paid nineteen million for Solanke, who doesn't even get a look in. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, Ali, Ali bought this up on the the extra time show this week about Bournemouth spending. Says it all, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, I didn't realise that Jermaine Defoe's on a hundred grand a week. So is he just on loan at Rangers he's now? On loan, he's on a, right. I believe he's on a two-year loan deal. Ah, the old two-year loan, right? Yeah, yeah. Rangers aren't paying hundred grand a week for his services, are they? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. Although the, we are, well, Rangers aren't uh, historically financially sound, so yeah. But maybe if they were paying that much, Bournemouth now own their stadium. Rangers <laughs> <laughs> ain't got that money. No, no, they don't. That's true. Um, so that's why I don't really buy in this whole little old Bournemouth malarkey. Like, all right, they're a tiny club in a tiny stadium, but they spent vast sums of money on, in some cases, Dominic Solanke. So. Yeah, yeah, Russian billionaire investor as well. Well, there you yeah, go. they're they're owned by the Russians and stuff like that, but just can't spend money on a ground that's bigger than my garden. Uh, we'll stay on the south coast then uh, for the Saturday evening game uh, Brighton taking on Newcastle uh, in a game that was. I thought Brighton would be a lot more attacking in this game because this, this was technically a game that Brighton had to win um, this was hilarious like, I mean I saw the teams and I thought oh bloody hell Brighton are playing two up front they're really going to come out and, <laughs> and, bat, and batter us here well, then you remember one of them's Glenn Murray well it was like they just went nah you can just have the ball we don't need that and John Joe Shelby, like that's what he's got, just passing the ball about. It was uh, dead easy for 45 minutes, and we got a, we scored a good goal. Um, yeah. Nice little knockdown, lovely finish from Perez on one leg, but still. Um, and it was very comfortable, but then at half time, they obviously got a rocket and realised, you know, trying to have the ball would probably be a better way of getting back in the match. So, yeah. Solly March made a difference when he came on because he's, you know, quite good getting it, uh, getting defenders and getting the ball in the box which is Brighton's main thing really isn't it trying to get the ball in the box yeah, so. yeah. It, 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 yeah it was ridiculous I didn't see much of this game to be fair but every time I looked at the game John Josh Elfie was just stood in the middle of the pitch <laughs> on his own just like no one near him and like I really like John Josh Elvey. His, his, his range of passing is phenomenal he's one player you don't want to just give the ball yeah it, honestly I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing it was like it was a testimonial match like <laughs> There was just no pressure on the ball, no one trying to tackle anybody, um, and we were we were quite good, which is not like us. But mm. you know, normally when teams are sloppy, we're equally sloppy. But we were just totally in, in charge of this game. Um, should have gone two 0 up, really. We should have either had the penalty on on Rondon. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Bruno on Rondon was a blatant penalty. But also share when he went through and should have just gone down under the tackle. He tried to stay up and didn't um, didn't want to get on the end of his touch. But if he'd gone down, I think it was a definite pen. But yeah. do you think Brighton could have had a penalty? There was the there was the incident where like Glenn Murray kind of bounced uh, off Matt Ritchie. No, I don't think it's a pen because it's Glenn Murray and he does this every every week and he goes down looking like he's been raped or something. Yeah, and, to like, be he's fair, just like 
on the highlights, it looked like every time anyone went anywhere near him, he fell no. over. And you, you can see why Brighton went 735 <laughs> minutes without scoring. I need some games then. But 735 minutes without scoring in the Premier League. Are Brighton worse than Cardiff and Fulham? Uh, I think that... Footballing wise, no, okay. Forget over the course of a season because obviously over the course of the season so far they are better than both of those teams, right? But for me, fo- Cardiff have played some decent football. As much as that hurts me to say, and they've had some decent results against 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 other teams. And Fulham, there was a the time when Ranieri first came in, they looked all right, um, and Scott Parker's got them. You know, they've, they've won the last three games. Brighton have just. Apart from Huddersfield, I think Brighton have been the worst team in the Premier League this season. I think if you put Brighton centre-halves in Fulham's team, um, Fulham would have been safe. Yeah, maybe. And, and, and then some, because that's going forwards, Fulham have scored plenty of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, if they've had Barbell all season, I think that would have made a bit of a difference, because he, he has improved them going forwards, I think, since he joined. Um, but their problem has always been they can't defend. Brighton, by contrast, have until recently generally been fairly solid, just had no goals in them. Um, of course, the roof's fallen in recently for whatever reason, but um, I just think Brighton are turgid and I wouldn't want to watch them anytime soon. Yeah, no, uh, they're, um, they're, they're, not, they're not a team you want to watch at all, are they? At least with Fulham, they've generally been quite entertaining to watch for various reasons, whether it's because they can't defend or because they have a go at teams. Mm. Um, but... Brighton are dull as dishwater. Um, I, I am fully expecting a Glenn Murray hat trick next Sunday, though. <sighs> I'll be honestly like, he is looking his age now, um, and I know he's scored a lot of goals from down the years, and that's very commendable. But uh, he's not a Premier League striker anymore. Yeah, it's only nostalgia keeping him in that team. It's, well, it is. It's got to be because I don't. Well, I don't see why any manager would pick him. Well, is it like and got taken off yesterday and. <sighs> He wasn't any any better or worse than Murray. Like it was just a matter of that. Well, Glenn Murray scored us some goals in the past, mm. so he can stay on. And it's that's all it is. It's it, only he set up the goal, I suppose, with a nice little cushioned header. But he's uh, his legs have gone, and I think teams know what they're dealing with now with Brighton. I think we said last week, Hutton's in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question uh, was going to be: Does Hutton go at the end of the season? I would say so. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think after Newcastle scored yesterday, he. His reaction was basically one of like, not over, not not that he wasn't bothered, but he wasn't in in a game that was as important for Brighton as it was. Um, he he wasn't like really upset. He was just like, oh, here we here we go again. Basically, I I think he's said so there's been the talk that he's lost the dressing room, and I I think he's just literally waiting for the season. I think he'll walk away if anything else. Yes, well, I was going to say I hope he he walks. I like him as a as a as a bloke. But uh, I agree with you. Actually, I think I think when Andone came off yesterday, he didn't shake his hand or something. I noticed, and he I don't know if that's a normal thing for Brighton, but um, he's signed quite a few, um, not just Andone, but Jahan Bash and uh, David Proper, and you know a few of the lads who aren't mm-hmm. Brexit means Brexit lads, which is what Brighton's generally been for <laughs> for a while. Um, and I don't know whether they, because they're not playing regularly. Or, or, Maybe bad eggs now in the dressing room, but uh, who who really knows what's going on behind closed doors? But I can't imagine him being there next season. Yeah, that's it. He can take Glenn Murray with him. Um, 
uh, Watford and Wolves played out a replay of the uh, FA Cup semi-final, and this was the battle for seventh place, basically. Um, uh, Wolves coming away 2-1 winners, thanks to goals from Raul Jimenez and Diego Yotta. Um Interestingly enough, Jimenez is now Wolves' highest Premier League goal scorer in a single season with 13, um, taking that record off the mighty Stephen Fletcher. I was amazed to find Stephen Fletcher had scored 12 goals. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. See, I thought that. I thought it was going to be like Kenny Miller or somebody because Miller had a yeah. good season when they when the Wolves were up the first time. Um, but yeah, when they said it was Stephen Fletcher, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have any recollection of that whatsoever. But I'm sure it happened. But <laughs> this is this mind you, this is the Stephen Fletcher who played for Marseille at one time. He did, yeah. He did, but yeah. <laughs> so he, he must have been doing something right, I suppose. Good agent, I suppose. Oh, the best agent, I would suggest. Yeah, talking of terrible strikers, that Andre Gray managed to score again. Yeah. It was a gift, I'm, though, wasn't it, really? It was, yes. I don't really know what to make of him. Like Some he's, some weeks he looks quite handy, but other weeks... Like when he played against you guys the other week, uh-huh. although although Watford only had ten men, he could have scored a few. Yeah, but. Yeah. I, I, I kind of like him. When he was at um, Burnley, he, he looked really, really good. Um, but then, obviously, Watford's style of play, I don't think suits him at all. You know, the, the lumping up to the potato uh, tactic that they have at mm. times... He's he's always second. He's always the second striker, if you know what I mean. And I don't think that team. I think he's the. I think he'd do really well at a club like Everton or even West Ham, where he could be the focal point and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, because he, he he is a decent finisher. Yeah. But that's the problem. But when he's been at, he's, he's been at Watford a few seasons now and, and not really set the, the the world alight. You know, do clubs want to take a, a chance on him? I mean, he seems quite happy playing second fiddle to Troy Deeney. I mean, God help us if Watford get in the Europa League next season, he'll probably play most of those games, you would think. Yeah, maybe. And that's the thing with Watford, I suppose. They get a new manager every other season. It's like, obviously, uh, Gracia, or whatever his name is, has been there um, for more Premier League games than any other because he's managed more than 38 Premier League games. That was an incredible statistic as well. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? So I think I think I think this weekend was his fiftieth. Um, but yeah, if he did if the fact when he did thirty nine, he broke the record. Um, but yeah, it's strange. Uh, the one thing I did notice about this game is that all throughout the game, even when Watford were losing, all the Watford fans could do was sing about how they were going to Wembley. You see, it's full time. They played uh, Kesara Sara. Yeah, the, 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 whoever does the music at Watford is the biggest <laughs> shit house in football. Because they did this, they, they they were playing um, music when um, what's it was when Everton came to Vicarage Road and stuff, weren't they? And apparently, it's not the. They've been warned about it by the FA for um, for for playing um, provocative music aimed at opponents. <laughs> they are shit house FC. I, I do not like Watford at all. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was strange. Like they they were. A team that have got a very good chance of getting into into Europe through the league and finishing in seventh for a club like Watford is an amazing achievement. And all the fans were bothered about it is yeah we're going to Wembley and we beat you lot to get there. <laughs> you know it's strange. Uh, it and, is. And yeah, and Ben Foster. After where was ha- he? Yeah, where was <laughs> he going? He, he had a great <laughs> season up until the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean obviously you you lot shut him up the other week when he took forever to clear a ball, mm. but. Uh, that one yesterday, he just where where was he going? I, know, like, I, I thought he dropped his water bottle on the sidelines <laughs> or something. Like he was so out of position, it was untrue. Ah, such an odd move. But yeah. 
Yeah, never mind. But yeah, I say Wolves could have could have scored more. There was a, a blatant penalty. Uh, is it Cabasale on, yeah. on the Like at first, when I first saw it, I thought oh, he's got the ball. That's a great tackle. Then you see it again. He's like, oh no, didn't touch the ball. I've no idea how that wasn't given. The state of refereeing this weekend, I feel like I'm repeating myself. The state of refereeing this weekend was awful. I think if VAR had come in this, like in the last couple of weeks, the amount of red cards would have gone through the roof. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just obviously come on this later on, but as for the today, I counted committed about five cynical fouls and didn't even get booked. Well, yeah, obviously the same referee, Michael Oliver, must have popped along for that game. <laughs> um, although I didn't get also get smashed in the face. Yeah, he deserves it. Well, I suppose. Um, on to the last Saturday game then, before I have to come on to the really turgid game of the, of the weekend. Uh, Crystal Palace are taking on Everton. Uh, I believe Adam went to this game, because obviously living in London, being an Everton fan, he doesn't get to go to many games. Um, Palace, with the uh, apart from Huddersfield, have the second worst home record in the Premier League, uh, but then are pretty good away from home, strangely. Um and Everton had won four of the last five going into this game, so obviously they were unchanged after hammering Manchester United last weekend. But then the only thing that happened in this game was Czech Tosin played um, and had a quite a decent chance to score. And should Everton have had a penalty? Uh, remind me of the incident. It was Van Arnold on Richarlison. Oh, no, maybe, but I mean... Same given, same not given. Yeah, it's one of those, um, wasn't it? But I don't remember anything else really happening in this game. No, they had that cross that hit the post and the, the Torsen back heel, which would have been uh, the best goal from a terrible player for a long time. Like, how can you. The, the goal to not score for several months and then try to score with a back heel. I, um, I find it amazing that both him and Vincent Janssen got game time in the same week. Uh, it's pretty sick, isn't it? <laughs> it is strange. But yeah, I say Everton. Um, yeah, their the, the form's doing all right. But yeah, I didn't realise Palace had been that bad at home. I know at one point they had a really bad like home record, but I thought they kind of snapped out of it. And then when you see them play away, like you know, they came to the Emirates last week and steamrolled for us. It, it's really strange. They're, they are the anti-Arsenal. I'm sure they might be the dullest team to watch in the in the, in the whole of England. I think in terms of like goals at their home ground. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I saw a stat about that this week, but. Yeah, they've got less than 20 home goals, I think, for a team that's 12th. That's ridiculous. That is really, really strange. Oh, I can't avoid it anymore. Should I talk about Everton and Palace a bit more, Dave? I mean, if it hadn't been a nil-nil, we could have tried to <laughs> tra- drag it out a bit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Leicester at the, at the King Power Stadium, I believe it's called now, took on Arsenal. Um, I had my doubts going into this game. I did not have my doubts so much that Leicester would absolutely thump us 3-0. Um Emery switched to a 4-4-2 uh, in an attempt to uh, counter Leicester's tack- attacking prowess and their counter-attacking prowess. Uh, Ertzor injured his foot, apparently. He wasn't playing Fortnite all week or something. Uh, obviously, Ramsey's probably out for the rest of the season. Uh, it does seem that the Arsenal have a lot of injuries at the moment, looking at the bench as well, considering that they were, uh, I think they said three of the substitutes were under like 22 or something like that. Uh, when they scanned across the, the bench if Peter Cech wasn't there there, there was hardly anybody I recognised um, Ashley Martin Niles was sent off early on and let's say Leicester came away with a 3-0 win and absolutely deserved it the Arsenal defence held together about as well as a McDonald's paper straw it was <laughs> absolutely shocking uh, I, w- I'll, I won't bemoan too much the fact that Michael Oliver had an awful game um, but yeah 
Arsenal had ab- they were creatively redundant and the fact that for Leicester's second goal was just a literally route one to Jamie Vardy and we gave him two two, two <laughs> cracks. <laughs> you know, he hit the he lobbed Leno. Leno had a fine game to be fair. Yeah, uh, he um the fact that yeah, he hit the bar and he just it, it perfectly came back to him to head in. It but yeah. Mustafi as well. So when I saw that he started, I was like, oh, great, here we go. But I can understand why, because we've got uh, Valencia in the week and whatever, uh, and Koscielny can't really play two games in a row too much now. Now, I won't say, uh, Mustafi didn't really have a bad, a bad game. He didn't make his usual clown shoes mistake, right? But his attitude in this game, and like, the same can be said for Klasniak as well, all they did is moan at their, at their, at their colleagues. There was sure. what, there was one where Kalasnat tried to play around with the ball on his byline instead of clearing it, yeah. and then played the ball to Socrates, I think it was, who then didn't thump it clear, and Kalasnat moaned it in for not thumping it clear. Uh, and then there was one where um, Mustafi somehow found himself in the six-yard box when we were attacking going forward, and then laid into, um, I think it was Abamyang for not playing him in. <laughs> like, fuck off, mate. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. I saw uh, Lacazette lose his shit with, mm, I want to say, a Wobi or someone anyway, where it actually been class match again, where he shot from a stupid angle instead of just rolling it across from. There was a lot of that today. Yeah, it, it was frustration setting in, but yeah, that last night had absolutely nothing. It was, I don't, I don't know what, what it was. And to be fair, at one point, like how Mikatarian gets into that team. I have no idea. Well, he was that anonymous. I didn't even notice him get subbed off. I just noticed suddenly Gwendozi was playing. I had to go on the Sky Sports app to see who'd gone off. I was very worried for you when I saw the team. Um, not just because it was four four two, but because it was essentially four two four. Because Mkhitaryan and Wobi aren't exactly going to go back the other way, particularly. Uh-huh. To be fair, Wobi does at times. Mm. He, he can track back and, and Aubameyang will no matter where he plays Aubameyang will drop deep but I think this was yeah. the problem though like it took away from one of Arsenal's greatest strengths is that it's generally your formation is quite fluid and you end up with Aubameyang on the left and he comes in the middle and him and Lacazette have swapped and then he's on the right and all this kind of stuff in a four four two, everyone is where they are and that's it kind of made it quite predictable to play against mm-hmm. yeah. um, obviously the, once the red card happened all bets were off yeah. Um, it was always going to be an uphill struggle from there. It was a soft red card as well, in my opinion. It was. The sec- um, the, the, the one of one them was he... a yellow card, but the Madison never touched him. That's the, that's the worst thing about it. The second one, he is late, but he doesn't actually touch him. He just yeah. doesn't get the ball. Like, and Madison's done him no favours whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and considering they seem to be quite pally about it, I'm assuming they've obviously met it under 21 duty or something. Yeah, but... probably. That's still pathetic. If he hasn't touched him, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen a, a replay slow down or anything, but it didn't look like he touched him. Yeah, no, he was he was literally on his way down uh, as, yeah. soon as, as soon as uh, Magnus came in. Um, the thing is, I, I, I don't like to say this because it's the ego in charge. I like the look of this Leicester team. No, I do. Um, Rogers has pandered them as we thought he would, where he's you know picked the the old faces in the dressing room, but surrounded them with youth. So. Mm-hmm. The guy likes of Mendy, who Puel seemed to love. He obviously hasn't played as much, but he has played, you know, Madison and Tillmans, um, and he's played Harvey Barnes most games, albeit not today. Um, That's no Barnes came on at half time. Yes, he did. He came, yeah. he came on. They took off Indeed. Uh, 
I'm not sure if there was an injury or not. But he was on a he was on a yellow. He was wasn't on a he? yellow, but that was actually the worst tackle in the whole game. Yeah, no one went anywhere near Indeedy for the first half really, so he could have kept <laughs> him on the pitch. <laughs> well, yeah, Rogers has found a system that suits him, um, and it hasn't really been any rocket science behind it. He's just played players to their strengths, um, which basically involves, as say, Madison getting the ball and actually not being stuck on the left wing or having to do whatever Puel had him doing, um, and they've just made sure Vardy's on the shoulder of the last man at all times, and that's quite a dangerous game to play. Yeah, that's the thing. I say saying that Leicester went route one for their second goal. It, it, it's not, it's not false, uh, but it doesn't give them just, it doesn't do them justice for, for how well they played because yeah, they they were really really good. Yeah, they kept plugging away, and, and they were lucky to score when they did in many ways because the crowd was starting to get a bit angsty because you'd almost seen them off. You know what I mean? Like Arsenal. Yeah, yeah at one point uh, I genuinely thought we could snatch something out of the game. Yeah, but uh, then, then to be fair, quite a good goal in terms of you wouldn't really expect Tillmans to score a header, but from the, from that from that delivery, great anyone ball, could yeah, great it, ball yeah. from Madison. But uh, no, as you say, if they can keep all the Tillmans, Leicester could do very well next season. Mm-hmm. But I, by the sound of it, he has other interest. Yeah, this is say this talk. Uh, this talk that Arsenal are, are interested in making a move for him. To be fair, I take any midfielder at the moment. Well, I was, I was going to say Man United should be straight in there. Well, I mean, we'll come on to them and their deficiencies in a moment, but mm. uh, the point is, you'll have many better offers, I think. Yeah. So yeah, again, all credit to Leicester. As much as I sit here and say Arsenal were terrible, Leicester completely deserved it. Um, I say, I, I think, apart from the Europa League, now our season's over. Um, in league-wise, although I say Chelsea, and Man United don't seem to want to finish third and fourth either. Uh, it, I, I saw, I saw a ridiculous. There was some Arsenal fan on 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 Twitter. I try not to follow too many of them. Um, but uh, they were saying that Arsenal only needed two points out of the last three games to basically control um, the Champions League spots, and they've come away with none, which is <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and yeah, I so, say yeah, we got Brighton, Brighton next week, and uh, yeah, I'm not even confident there. Although the one thing that really interested me, like this, this is I was meant to say this when we were talking about Spurs. So Spurs have had quite a run of home games now. Right, I've seen Arsenal fans claim it's some kind of mad conspiracy that Arsenal are having a poor away season and having to play their running away from home because Spurs um, have to play their running at, at, uh, at home because of the way their stadium turned out. And I was like, well, that's not how the fixtures work. They were decided no. ages ago. <laughs> No, that's that's not true, is it? They they were just like, yeah, we have to play away because we can't play at home the same weekend as Spurs. Just like, shut up, you fucking idiots. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think we'll be lucky to finish fifth. Um, I think the Europa League, we we might be all right in. Um, You know, because we've, you know, it's it's a knockout competition, isn't it? But yeah, for the league, considering a few weeks ago, I was like, yeah, we're favourites to be third. And then we just go on this terrible, terrible... Well, I say, when we did that prediction show in must have been the end of March, was it? We thought Arsenal were probably odds-on to get in the top four based yeah. on the running. Yeah. Uh, it, it seemed impossible for them to lose. They're on a great run as well at, ho- at as, home. Yeah. Well, exactly. And they've lost the last three. Um, I think it'll be Brighton next week, to be honest. Like, I say, I haven't just seen Brighton against us, and it's Brighton away from home as well. They are we've got, terrible. We've got no midfield, mate. Like, there's who, there's no one there to pass the ball around. It's all right. It'll go over their heads for most of the game of Brighton. Yeah, no. Mustafi's going to play right back, in it? It's going to be ridiculous. It's yeah. all right. You've got Jenkins on the play. It'll be fine. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Call back Callum Chambers early. Uh, right. I can't even uplift this with another game. So, the, the second game on... Uh, 
Sky's triple header. Uh, oh, interestingly enough, I never realised that the Leicester Arsenal game was supposed to be played tomorrow night, but Sky kindly moved it for agreed to move it forward so Arsenal could have a rest in the Champions League, uh, for the Europa League. Oh, how kind! Not quite as nice as the Dutch FA who cancelled all um, <laughs> all Eredivisie games this weekend so Ajax could have a rest before the uh, before the Champions League semi final. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Burnley hosted Man City. Uh, so basically, the ho- half of Liverpool were supporting Burnley this weekend. Uh, Burnley unchanged because uh, f- f- they—I can't remember their result. Was their result last weekend? I remember there was a big deal. The drew was the drew was Chelsea on Monday. Oh, that was it. Yeah, they they got a draw against Chelsea. Um, City. Uh, um, Leroy Sane came in after scoring against Man United in midweek. Um, this game, for the majority of it, I thought was just going to be Man City parked on the edge of Burnley's area pinballing the ball around because that's all that seemed to happen I mean for all Burnley defended well I never really thought they were going to score like they had mm-hmm. one half chance when they kind of deflected on the path of Chris Wood and he failed to control it but other than that like every time they got forward which wasn't very often they spooned across straight out of play um, Man City were never really under any great deal of pressure and it was only a matter of time before Man City would score because as you say the ball was just pinballing around the area yeah. over and over again. It, it was 10 men in the penalty box from the bits that I saw. So after the Arsenal result, I didn't want to watch any more football, so I didn't see that much. But every time I, you know, every time I looked at the telly, it was literally um, David Silva had the ball on the edge of the area and was just p- pinging it into, Burnley, into a box full of Burnley defenders. Yeah, that was basically it. It was... Um... It was a tough watch. Like I'm pleased I didn't need Burnley to do anything from my point of view because they never looked likely to do it. I mean, fair play to the, the defenders, like us. They, they didn't give it up, but uh, Burnley just offered nothing at all. Like I know they didn't need to, to win for their sake, but they're such a a one-dimensional team. There's no like out ball. There's no there's no pace. It's just all hoping the ball long and hoping Ashley Barnes is, is going to somehow find a chance to shoot which again never really looked likely so um, I I wouldn't have been disappointed if Burnley got relegated I don't like watching Burnley I don't don't enjoy them but uh, they're here to stay unfortunately Uh, so um, Burnley were pretty resolute I I found it quite interesting that um, at one point Sky as I was walking in the room Sky mentioned that Vincent Company was the only Man City player on the pitch apart from Edison who hadn't scored for them this season it shows how how many goals City have in them. Uh, they only got the one in this game though from Sergio Aguero, and it was goal line technology that gave it. It's close. It, yeah, very close. I think it was like two two twenty five millimeters or something like that. I think they said two point nine five centimeters. Yeah, yeah, madness in it. Um, Aguero uh, got became the, the only the second player in Premier League history uh, to score twenty goals for five seasons. Do you know who the other one was? Alan Shearer, Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised that yeah, someone you, you'd think someone like Shearer or like Andy Cole and stuff like who are like you know up there for the goal scoring charts. Yeah, they never did that. It's strange. I would guess Shearer's streak was probably broken by a couple of big injuries. Yeah. Um, also, we were shit, but I mean that's not the point. <laughs> well, uh, it's twelve wins on the bench now for Man City. I think you mentioned it earlier on. I think you think City are going to win the title. I do. Um, but if anyone's going to take points off them, I fancy Leicester on next Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's the way Leicester play, I think. If they play like they played against us and Man City play like they played against Burnley, I, I could probably see it. 
if you can get Vardy in on company, um, assuming company plays, mm. I think that's their weakness. Um, company hasn't played that much, and he he's obviously still very commanding. But I think if you can get the ball on his toes, he's there to be got at. Um, but on the other hand, Man City are going to score. They always score. Oh yeah, because so. Leicester have Johnny Evans. <laughs> I say this after my team has just come away without scoring against them, um, but we don't have Aguero. So. <laughs> no, no, you don't. But um, I'm not saying they will slip against Leicester, but I think that's the biggest chance of of an upset happening. I said that last week as well, so I'm not just changing yeah. my colours depending on who they're playing. But uh, it's it's going to be a team like Leicester with that kind of counter attack and pace that could oh. that could disrupt them. But you wouldn't like to bet on it, would you? No. So City didn't really have, from what from what I've seen, I've seen a few highlights afterwards, City didn't have many clear-cut opportunities themselves. So they could have had a penalty, I believe, from uh, Ashley Barnes just sticking his hand Yeah, in. so he just stuck an arm out and blocked one, basically. Yeah, um, sounds like Ashley and, Barnes. And, I know. And uh, Jesus went round the keeper and Ben Mee pulled oh, off an unbelievable yes, block. Oh, yes, the block on the line, yeah, yeah. That was an unbelievable block, um, but it was already 1-0 at that point, so... I guess it was kind of irrelevant, but yeah. is Ashley Barnes the second least popular Austrian in history? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's so, he's horrible, isn't he? He's just a horrible. How is he Austrian? I do not understand. Uh, wait, what, what I don't understand is that he hasn't got any caps for Austria. Like, I know he's not tremendous, but surely he is among the the best options Austria have. Well, like, they they made a big deal about how when he qualified for them and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, he's played he's played for their youth teams. I'm sure he played for like their under twenties or something. But I, I, would, you, I just... would you would you pick him up? Come on, Dave. Would 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 you? Pick but him it, really? it depends on my alternatives. Yeah. Are like I don't I don't know about Austrian football to be honest. But like obviously he's not Arnautovic. But like I'm guessing Arnautovic is far and away oh, their best player. Oh God, could you imagine him and Arnautovic up front together? They just spend the whole match blaming each other for what's for what's gone on. They'd end up fighting, wouldn't they? Absolutely oh, ridiculous. Probably. <laughs> right on to uh, well, I, I was going to say on to another absolutely ridiculous again. Sorry, Dave, I didn't see this much of this game. It looked. To, to keep going with the Avengers theme, right? And without any spoilers, this looked like a scene out of the Avengers from the bits I saw. There were people going down, injured, left, right and centre. Like, so Man United played Chelsea. Uh, it finished 1-1, which is a positive for Arsenal fans, I suppose. Uh, Spurs fans were celebrating this result as well. Um, yeah. The fact that the two goal scorers were Mata and Alonso kind of says a lot, really. But, yeah, all my notes are just injuries. Yeah, Man United played well for half an hour or so, and then Chelsea kind of came back into it. De Gea did his now customary mistake, uh-huh. which gave them the equaliser, and then the second half was kind of a non-event other than all the injuries, which I guess sometimes happens when you get a lot of injuries, it kind of disrupts the game, but um, it wasn't really much of a game to disrupt by the time that happened, if you know what I mean. Like uh-huh. it, it was already on the way down anyway. Um, Chelsea only needed the point, I think they knew that really. Yeah, they. Uh, I think Sarri bought on like, def- like basically got his team got more defensive towards the end, didn't they? You could tell they were happy with the point. Yeah, and they didn't, I mean they had plenty of chances to keep throwing the ball in the box towards the end and kind of did, but it was kind of reluctant. Um, I think they knew that the point kept them three points and eight goals better off than Man United. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's going to make it very difficult now for Man United to overhaul them. Although Man United's next game is Huddersfield, which uh, all better all better off really. 
Even Lukaku must be licking his lips at that. Oh my God, Lukaku! Jesus Christ! He, he, <laughs> did you see? Like I, I saw because I didn't see much of this game, but then Sky did some highlights like uh, on Sky Sports News, and there was a bit, they showed where Gary Neville was like laying into Lukaku for being absolutely shattered. Yeah, this is about twenty minutes in. Yeah. He, was, he was just absolutely shagged. He looked like me when I play five side in the week. Like generally, like coming out, blowing out his ass. It was absolutely ridiculous for it's a professional bad, footballer. Oh, it's so strange. Like he's obviously bulked up, and he's obviously struggling to yeah, carry is around. It, is, is, is it bulk or is it pizza? Come on. Well, I, I don't know, but <laughs> it's it's mad. Like they had the best run when Rashford was playing as a centre forward, mm-hmm. and for some reason they seem mad intent on making sure Lukaku plays every game now and it's done them no favours whatsoever I don't think he played against City though did he? Uh, no he came on he came on yeah but uh, the problem is they've got so few players who are actually in form now Um, I include Rashford in that because when when would Rashford last have a good game? yeah that's the thing I was going to mention about Rashford I think Chris mentioned this on the Extra Time show this week Uh, I remember saying a few weeks ago about uh, Rashford's attitude on the pitch seems to have changed Mm. Uh, there's been a lot of talk that his attitude in general, that the club has changed. Uh, he started dating some supermodel, uh, and apparently there's been a lot of problems uh, with his attitude in the dressing room uh, since apparently some uh, another another player has come out and said that he's uh, not as humble as he once was. Uh, and I've seen I've, I've seen Man United fans on Twitter like they would happily have him out of the club at the moment, which really? I find, which I find a bit ridiculous. Um, but on the pitch, he does seem to he has that. That brattishness about him all of a sudden. Now, don't get me wrong, he's arguably one of Man United's best players and stuff, but he's he had that good run. But now he's going. He seems to be going back to making the same mistakes that he used to. Now, so when Mike Rockershash would first come on the scene, I had I didn't rate him at all. I thought he was like a playground player. He had no footballing sense. He he just knew he was really good with the ball and wanted to take people on and whatever. And then he seemed to get that out of his game. And he's ha- he had a good run, you know, he's scoring goals and whatever. But now he's just getting the ball and, and trying to take people on constantly, as if he's demonstrating that he's the best player on the pitch. And he doesn't need to do that. No, it's... Um, I can't put my finger on it, really, but I don't think Man United have a plan anymore. Mm. And when, when Solskjaer first came, the plan was, you know, we're going to have pace, we're going to have counter-attacking ability, you know, that's how we're going to play. And now... I just don't see that because, like today, they line up with Matter on the right wing, who scored. He's a good player, but he's not a winger by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got Rashford, who's playing as a kind of a forward slash either wing, depending on what mood Solskjaer is in. Sanchez is coming off the bench, and he hasn't done it well, well, pretty much ever since joining for Man U. Martial seems totally out of the frame now, and he, you know, he was meant to be. All the Man United fans always want to see more from Martial. I'll oh, get him in the team, you know, he's great. And he seems a long way off that now. Mm-hmm. So all these players who were meant to be the future, well, the time is now and they're nowhere to be seen. Yeah, because the rumour is that Martial and Rashford have had a bit of a clash. Oh, really? Hence why Martial suddenly is out, like, out, out on his ear. Considering he, he had quite a good run when, um, when Solskjaer first came back in. Yeah, and then he's yeah he's been in and out, and Lukaku's been getting chances and stuff like that. So, how true it all is, I don't know. You know, you know, the Twitter universe is like there's there's a lot of um, 
a lot of bollocks out there, to be fair. But there's definitely something that Rashford doesn't look like the same player. But there was talk he was carrying an injury, perhaps he's gone well, off. He's gone off today. With his <coughs> shoulder hasn't he? It was a shoulder, was it? I saw him yeah, was growing at one yeah, point. But I mean, yeah, apparently, apparently he signalled that his, his shoulder was hurting and he needed to come off when he went off. Uh, but Eric Boy came back into the side today. Also went off injured. Did not look good. No, that looks uh, bad, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, but so it's probably going to be his last game uh, for Man United. Interesting, he's just done his knee in when he's been linked with a move to Arsenal in the summer. Brilliant. <laughs> um, Rudiger well, also went off as well, didn't they? Yeah, well, Rudiger, they seemed, they seemed to have rushed him back because um, he seemed to get injured the other week. I can't remember if they were playing, but he came off injured. Might have been uh, the Liverpool game, was it? But So he came back sooner than expected, and that seems to have done him no favours. Um, for Bayer, you know, if that's a bad injury, then they'll struggle to sell him obviously so I mean mm-hmm. they've had this problem with Rojo really where I think they've wanted to sell him for years now but he's always injured so. yeah Valencia's the same and he always seems to get injured around the transfer window yeah handy that isn't it yeah. um, but and the other mystery of course is Paul Pogba I mean do you think he'll be there next summer so apparently yeah Real Madrid are saying they're confident of signing him and he does so he's another one who was fantastic when when um in February time when mm-hmm. Solskjaer first come in and has completely dropped off yeah, you know, does 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 he sudden does he suddenly want to leave? Has he played well in February um, to get himself a deal somewhere, and then he's got a deal signed up? It's kind of like Hazard apparently with Real Madrid. But I don't know. The thing is, if you're Man United, right? Real, it sounds like it sounds like this season Real Madrid are going to sell off your Benzema, your Bales, and whatever, and have a, a pot of money, and then go and buy Hazard and and Pogba. And Pogba. If Real Madrid come to you and offer you 100 million for Pogba, you're gonna. I think Man United are in a position where they have to take it because they need the money to turn over that squad. Yeah, and I think they're, they're not going to make any money from selling most of that squad. No, and the problem is they're kind of putting up with Pogba at the minute mm-hmm. because for all you know, he came to the Man United academy, kind of. Um, he's not. He doesn't play the way Solskjaer supposedly wants his teams to play. Uh-huh. He doesn't look 100% engaged all the time. He's obviously a very talented player when he when he is, but he goes through these stages like he's in now where what's he actually contributing? Like he, the, I don't, he said he didn't watch much of the game today, so there's a time towards the end where, oh, and here comes Pogba steaming forward, and he just falls over. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, obviously that can't be helped necessarily with a slip, but it just isn't happening for him. Um, and it, He's always going to want him to happen for him and force the issue because of how much he cost and the whole Paul Pogba thing, really, which is people are always going to have it in from people are always going to be watching what he does um, because of the way he acts and because of what goes on. Um, so I think they'd be better off selling him yeah. and, get, and getting in a player who they've picked rather than someone who seems to be constantly linked with going back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hasn't hasn't really worked for him. Yeah, I think with Pogba, I think I think I mentioned this. I don't know if it was these shows or not. I, I remember doing a podcast with with some of the other guys from the Man on the Post Network during the Euros, um, when Pogba was having a great Euros and whatever. But he he was hot and cold then. And I think I think the time at the time then I said the the thing with Pogba is I don't think he knows what type of player he wants to be. And I might have even said it on, on this show this season. Like sometimes he'll play as an advanced midfielder and have a great game but and then he'll be shitting the next game in the same position and then he'll drop back and play deeper 
and he'll play like a, as the, the not a defensive midfielder, but like a quarterback, you know, spraying the ball around and stuff yeah. like that. And he'll have a fantastic game, and then the next game will be shit again. So then he'll move to another position. He, I think he needs a manager who's going to be, this is the type of player you are, this is where you're going to play. If you have a shit game, you're staying in this position. You're not going to have a shit game and then turn around and say, well, I want to play here. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a very fair point. I don't think I don't think he has a single idea what he is because um, probably the best footballer's career came at Juventus when they reached the final and they lost to Barcelona and he was playing when Juventus played kind of a three, I would say it was a three-five-two almost. But yeah, maybe. And he he played sort of towards the left midfield, kind of, but not really. It was almost like a free rule. Um, now he's not going to get that kind of freedom mm-hmm. in this team. Because he hasn't got good enough players around him. They don't have a strong enough defence to do that. Um, and that's just not going to happen. It's not really a position, is it? It's just a, I can't be bothered position. Yeah. That's the so, thing. He, 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 you need a certain setup around him for him to, you know, yeah, go off and do his thing. Yeah, but, as, I mean, that whole we could do a whole podcast on Monday Night Squad next season. Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one thing saying, well, I want them out the door. But as you said earlier... Who's going to take off these players? Yeah, that 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 is the thing. I I I don't see who's gonna who's gonna come in and pick up a lot of them. Like people can't be banging the door down to get Marcus Rojo. Like he came on today and he was like a bull in a china shop. He could yeah. have been sent. He could have been sent off two or three times. Yeah, he nearly, just... broke, nearly broke Rojo's. Uh, not Rojo. Uh, William's leg. Uh, yeah. He caught William had to go off, didn't he? But yeah. uh, bloody hell! I mean, who's going to want him? Who's going to want Matic at his age? Mm-hmm. It's. You're going to hope that the more money, less effort leagues are open for business this summer because the likes of Turkey and China and that are going to be very busy taking these players. Yeah, that's the thing. The other one is that there's talk of Barcelona coming in for Marcus Rashford. Now, a year ago, you'd think that no matter what money a club came to Man United with and said, I'll give you, you know, it's talk of £100 million for Marcus Rashford, you'd think they'd wave that away. But I think such is the job at that club at the moment. They would take any big offer for any of their big players. I think, like De Gea, they would happily ship him out at the moment as well. well I'm sick of hearing about Sergio Romero being the best number two in the league. It's like if, he, if he's any good, he'd be playing by now because yeah. De Gea's thrown in what three in a row now. Yeah, pretty much. And you know, do but, you do you drop him though? That's the thing. Well, what's to lose at this point? Mm. I don't think it's. Uh, he's obviously got a lot of credit in the bank, but he's not had a good season. I think. Uh, Obviously, it's come home to roost a bit in recent weeks, but since the mistake against Portugal in the World Cup, I don't think he's been the same, yeah, he's, same, he's been awful same man. Yeah. Um, now, sometimes you have to take a goalkeeper out the firing line. Yeah. And it's not like they're bringing in someone from the youth team to take over. Yeah, best number two in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, think, I think Man United's transfer activity will be very interested this season, but I don't see anything other than a major overhaul. Like the, the, I know when Emery came into the Emirates, there was talk of he, you know he'd have to make some changes. And, you know he's made a few little changes here and there, brought in a couple of players like you know Torreira and that lot. Um, but the job at Man United as a manager, it, it's a, it's like a fuller, it's like a complete overhaul of their squad. Well, it is, uh, and. It's not going to be that easy, really. Um, I say not just because they're going to have to stump up a lot of dough for good players. They might not even be in the Champions League. Yeah. And trying to get players to to say, well, you know, come to us for Europa League football. We might be in the Champions League next season. You know, it's a fairly short career. It's uh, quite a quite a big risk to take. 
it'll be really, really interesting. A uh, few other things to mention then. We'll go down to the championship. Um, so Norwich are confirmed as promoted now uh, as champions. Can't wait for them to go back down next season. <laughs> um, uh, Sheffield United are also promoted. I can't wait for it to be someone else's fault that they get relegated next season. Um, playoffs, though, looking a bit tasty. So Leeds today played Villa, who uh, I believe we have mentioned multiple times that we believe will be the playoff final this season. Uh, and have you seen this? I'm guessing, uh-huh. yeah, we talked about yes. the box. So good, didn't we? Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. So, uh, Kodja, is it Villa's Kodja, goes down injured? Yes. Um, Injures himself, basically, trying to make a challenge by the looks of it. Um, Leeds player gets the ball. Uh, all the Villa players appealing to put the ball out of play. Leeds player acts as if he's going to put the ball out of play, basically. Slows the game right down. Plays the most casual pass you've ever seen down, down the wing. Only for another Leeds player to get the ball and just say, yeah, I'm going to score now. I thought he was brilliant. I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, the, the rules there that you don't put the ball out for anything but a, a head injury. Um, but yeah, obviously um, didn't go down well with the Villa players. I stand by what I said in the WhatsApp group. I don't see how more than one Villa player wasn't sent off. None of the none of the players involved in the initial scuffle were, were, were carded or anything. It was only the Bamford and Elgazi thing afterwards. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But it's annoyed me for a long time now. Where <clears throat> where um, teams put the ball out of play because someone's down injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you don't. They changed the rules. Okay, I know it used to be an unwritten rule, but they changed the rules a couple of seasons ago, where it's the referee's decision, and it would it would only be for head injuries. I think the argument that's been made is that Villa did it for Leeds in the first half. Ah, uh, right. Well, I mean that's all very well and good, but to me the way they should solve this is that it should be a bit like rugby, where if there's a player down injured, the physio can come on regardless. Yeah. And then fair enough if the track breaks down, stop the game, but. If it's um, if they're going forwards and Codge is down and he went off injured in fairness, so he, he was obviously knackered. But half the time they're not, and they just they know if they if they stay down, the game's going to get stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know it's not the referee's fault, but if players are going to be like that. I would just say right, let the physios come on, let the the, the attack continue, and uh, if the attack breaks down, then the ref can stop the game yeah. if he feels it necessary. Um, but half the time, it, it it is play acting which is causing this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Leeds. Obviously, the problem is they stopped this. They, they intimate they were going to stop the game and then didn't, which I guess is where the fair play element of it comes in. But mm-hmm. it shouldn't have even got to that in the first place. Yeah, it, it, it was a bit ridiculous. Uh, I think uh, they say Leeds then. So it got even more entertaining uh, when Leeds then decided to uh, after. Remonstrations from Bills on 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 the uh, on the edge of his technical area uh, decided they were going to let Villa score an equaliser. Except Pontus Janssen was having none of it. <laughs> Could you imagine if he'd have blocked it? Could you imagine? Oh, uh, I was kind of hoping he would. Say <laughs> he tried, but <laughs> he, he was close. It was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then he ended up arguing with his teammates as well. Uh, I thought the uh, interview with Bill so after the game was interesting, where he basically threw um, Janssen under the bus, saying that he disobeyed his orders and, and whatever, uh, but then laughed it off, which was really strange. So it'll be interesting to see if Janssen starts their next couple of games. Um, but I think the situation we have now, and I said this in the WhatsApp group, is... So Leeds' route to the playoff through the playoffs could be Derby County, who they have history with, yes, and then Villa in the final. Could you imagine if they beat both of them to get in, go into the Premier League? 
<laughs> to be a gas gun. It'd but be fantastic, though, wouldn't it? Would, it? Maximum it would. shit out of the I mean, you could have, obviously, Leeds Derby and West Brom Villa, which is a bit of a Midlands... Uh, is it a Derby? I assume it must be. Yeah, the, the grounds are pretty close together as well, to be fair. Yeah, so, I mean, that's two good playoff games. Over two legs as well. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a chance Bristol City or Borough could spoil that by getting in there instead, but... Um, Derby have a game in hand on Borough and Bristol City need miracles, so I think it will be those four who are in there now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it'd be great. I, th- I think a Leeds Villa final uh, after what happened today would be excellent. Uh, John Terry of all people uh, moaning about cheating and stuff like that. I, I find that absolutely. I know the, the irony of that is uh, too much for me. Like, I mean, he. I saw him today. You know when you get that feeling when you see someone you want to punch them in the face. Oh yeah, yeah I get that every time I see John Terry. I know it's been a while though. Like, <laughs> it's like seeing an old enemy for the first time in a long time. Uh, so, uh, but I thought I'd quickly get your uh, thoughts. I know we'll probably talk about this a lot next season on the two teams that are, uh, are definitely going up. So, shitty little club Norwich and shitty <laughs> little club Sheffield United are going up as automatic, um, automatic promotion. Do you think even have got what it takes to stay in the Premier League? Because they're not the sort of clubs that will go out and sign players, if you know what I mean? Um, no. I mean, with Norwich, they've got a, a bit of the Huddersfield about them and they've come up under a, a German manager who plays in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's been entertaining. But uh, the only thing in their favour is that they've got a lot of very young players who yeah. could improve to the point where they are Premier League players. Whether it be next season or not, it's a big ask. But I'd be very surprised if they stayed up. Yeah, and and say so Sheffield United. Yes, they've done it. You know, I think Chris Wilder's now got promotion at every level in the English league. Yes, he has. Yeah, uh, he's done. He's done a great job, and they've got some. They've got. They've, they've got some decent players, but they're not. They're not a Premier League team. I mean, fundamentally, with David McGoldrick leading the line, like I'm not too scared of him and Billy Sharp. Like it's it's. I cannot see them scoring the goals to stay up. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, as horrible as it is, who, who who's going to sign for Sheffield United? Well, that's it. Like, where do they go to get players from? Like, is one of them going to get Fulham's cast-offs? One of them going to get Huddersfield's that's cast-offs? The thing, yeah, like, that, that's, that's where you're looking, isn't it? The only other, the only thing that could have gone in their favour, perhaps, if there was like a World Cup or a Euros yeah, in the yeah. summer, and they, you know, a few players from smaller countries have a good time, uh, and you know, and, and and then get bought in, you know. But yeah. I, I, you know, oh, you know, come, come, come and live in Sheffield for for a year. No, no, thanks, mate. I'm all right. <laughs> no, so then they end up fishing in the pot of well, we'll just buy players from top championship clubs, but it's not a, it's not really a proven record of success, is it? That's it. You know, we're, we're basically re- re- replacing you know Cardiff and, and Huddersfield with their their championship equivalents. Pretty much. I mean, I'll be very surprised at either of those two teams still. Um, to be honest, there's only Villa who, if they come up, I can see staying up just yeah. because of the, the budget they'll have. Yeah, that's it. That's, I, I think I think even Leeds. Sorry, Ross. If Leeds come up, the fact that that squad's getting out of the Championship isn't a miracle. Well, that's it. I mean, it's kind of similar to Norwich in the sense they've got a lot of young players mm-hmm. um, who, you know, like the likes of Clark and Roof and that, who have been very good Championship players this season. But could they make the start of the Premier League? I mean, you could, you wouldn't say definitely. So. At least Leeds have got history on their side and not might attract a few players, but uh, you wouldn't. From my point of view, as a, as a team who looks at teams who will get relegated instead of us next season, mm-hmm. I'm quite happy with who's come up so far. Yeah, I say because 
yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting one to say. Norwich play some good football, but I think that's the thing with the squad they've got. They'll change the way they play in the Premier League. Whereas a team like Wolves, okay, Wolves got a lot of money behind them, and they had a squad that was Premier League, almost Premier League quality last season. Uh, to be fair, but they came up and they haven't changed the way they play. I don't see the likes of Sheffield United and and, and Norwich doing that, unfortunately. But hopefully, I mean, we'll be proven wrong. You know, well, you never know. Like Timmy Pukki couldn't score in the SPL. And he scored what twenty five or something for Norwich yeah, this season. Like, so I mean, I guess you never know to an extent, but it's uh, the way they both play. I think they'll get picked off a lot. Yeah, that's it. Uh, right. So the last, the penultimate weekend of the Premier League is next weekend. Uh, you've got fixtures in front of you, Dave. Uh, yes. What are the highlights? So that it's also a bank holiday, isn't it? It is, which is the highlight in itself. <laughs> um, so Friday night football. Because Again? Wow. Sky, Sky, you do spoil us. Uh, Everton versus Burnley. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit wow, shit there's, a, there's shit, a nil-nil. Shit, indeed. Um, Saturday lunchtime is Spurs for about the fifth time in a row. Like I can't remember the last time I had my lunch without watching Tottenham. Yeah, basically. Um, Poor you. Bournemouth, Bournemouth v Tottenham. Uh, okay. That's half 12. Then it's West Ham, Southampton, uh, Wolves, Fulham. Uh, there's the only two, three o'clocks. Okay. Cardiff and Palace is the 5.30. Um, obviously, Cardiff have to win. Cardiff Palace is oh my god. Well, uh, so I, I say it kind of makes sense because if Cardiff lose, they're down. If they don't win, in fact, they're down. I might, I might watch it just for that then. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking today, like, considering we're at the business end of the season, I've seen disgustingly few goalkeepers up for corners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I know it's just a pet peeve of mine. Like, just put them up front. You need them up front. Uh, anyway, and then the seven forty-five on Saturday is Newcastle versus Liverpool in the. Uh, Rafa bending over Derby. <laughs> uh, and then Sunday, there's three games again. Um, but actually, I think only two of them are on telly. Uh, so Chelsea Watford's at 2 o'clock. Huddersfield Man United's at 2 o'clock. And then Arsenal Brighton's at 4.30. I assume Huddersfield Man United's on TV, but with Sky, who really knows? No, like... you, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think the Arsenal-Leicester game was on TV this week. Um and then until I saw it, but in midweek, someone was like, "Oh yeah, you, you guys want to tell it midday on Sunday?" I was like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> Great! I'm uh, glad I got out of bed to watch it." For um, lower league fans, League One finishes on Saturday at half five, um, and the Championship finishes on Sunday at twelve thirty. Yeah, that should be an interesting few games. I've, I've said I've, it's just playoff positions now, isn't it? I think I think even all the relegations in the championships are, are, are signed up now as well. They are, yeah, because there's only the last playoff place. And it's, I guess there's still a, a risk of Leeds finishing fourth rather than third. Oh, uh, no, because then they won't play Derby. But West Brom are playing Derby away, and Derby will need to win anyway to get their playoff space. Uh, and Leeds are away at Ipswich, which is the Huddersfield equivalent of the championship, I believe. So that should be another three points for them. So... Excellent, excellent. Right, thank you very much for joining me, Dave. Please pimp your socials. Uh, so on Twitter, I am at CM9798. Excellent. Uh, you can catch the show at Man on the Post on Twitter, Facebook, all of the usual jazz. I believe there's an Instagram account uh, that sometimes tweets out things not as strange as Eric Cantona. Um <laughs> And yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, again, thanks for joining me, Dave. No problem at all. See you next week. And thank you for listening. And always remember, keep your man on the post. Thank you.